Welcome to Lectionary Mixtape. I'm your co-host, Daniel Eisenberg. And I'm your co-host, Ben Seberg. Each week, we take a look at the texts, we talk about those texts, and we offer up a special musical offering related to those texts. This week, for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost, we have 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 12, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, and Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, and 44 through 52. Well, Dan, I think it's time for Jazz Odyssey, that point where we're talk- talking about themes and notes that we find going on in all of these texts. Sounds good to me. Jazz Odyssey is the part of the show when we talk about the text in a freeform way. So what are some of your first thoughts? Some of my first thoughts are small things. Um, and, and really, uh, in, in each of these, we're, we see God focused, um, or focusing us, I should say, on the power that we see through God in the smallest things. And so in this story in, uh, in Solomon, we, we have someone who, uh, who's a small king at this point, you know? Um, uh, the, eventually we come to know Solomon as this great and wondrous person, but right now this is Solomon standing in the huge shadow of David. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is Solomon before anything was proved, before anything happens. This is Solomon more as just like some person who just so happened to be lucky enough or unlucky enough to have a dad named David. Um, and that's about it. Yeah. And so in Solomon, we see really wonderful things that God is doing through small things. Mm-hmm. And with Solomon, I feel there's a lot of like imposter syndrome, it yeah. feels like to me, um, where, yeah, like you said, like, oh, King David is my dad. I have to live up to that name. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, this nation, this is God's special people, you know, a light to all nations and all that good stuff. And I don't know anything. Um, so I, I, I like that, uh, because I identify with imposter syndrome. I think a lot of people do. And I think that's a, a theme that runs through at least a couple of the texts. I see that in the Romans eight as well, uh, that opens with the spirit interceding with us with sighs too deep for words. Uh, when we don't know how to pray as we ought, like when you don't know how to do the religious thing good enough and you're not really sure and you've got that imposter syndrome as a religious person, um, even then you can just sort of let it go and it's in God's hands, like you were saying. Yeah. And and this, like you said, the self-confession of Solomon, I'm only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that echoes with us. And I think that echoes... Um, with many people. We see it in the gospel too, you know, like these, uh, Jesus teaching about the kingdom of heaven by looking at minute things, whether insignificant things that we might, uh, find insignificant, um, seeds of a mustard plant, um, or even, uh, 
flour and yeast, um, monumental things, but common things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then God also talking about the, the kingdom of heaven, like small, small things, like something buried in the dirt and something um, tossed into the wide, wide ocean. Like God isn't here. God isn't saying that the kingdom of heaven should be compared to the moon or the stars or um, all of the cosmos, the planets, the stars. I already said stars once, whatever. Uh, but, but, but to the, the small things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a nice theme to run with. Having this, I see this other theme of the trust in God as well even in the midst of that self-doubt, even in the midst of overwhelming odds and such, that there's a value to that. Like God is pleased that Solomon comes to God and is like, I need help. And it's to care about the people. Yeah. And then jumping over to Matthew, the pearl of great price and the field and all that stuff, this idea that like all that other stuff isn't, doesn't hold a candle to just knowing that God has got my back, like that the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, And that runs with Romans 8 as well. The whole predestination, if God is for us, who can stand against us and nothing's able to separate us from Christ's love, like that's what helps us overcome that imposter syndrome, that worry about not being good enough, about seeking after those other forms of approval and self-edification we can say nope god's got us what else do we need yeah and and i think that those two need to be tied together for this to be for these to be texts about god you know we could preach about small things or we could preach about um the faithfulness of god but when they are tied together Um, we come to see that the way that we normally understand the world, which is big things have might, therefore they are in charge. Small things don't, therefore they get stomped into the ground. Mm -hmm. That's not quite the way that the universe actually works. God keeps here pointing to the resilience of small things and the care that God gives to small things, the allowance that God gives to small things to not only live but thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice theme to run with. To bring up, I mean, Solomon thinking of himself as so small and insignificant, not up to the task. And mm-hmm. then the tiny mustard seed and all that. Yeah. yeah. Tiny bit of yeast and a bunch of flour. Yeah. So if this is jazz, and you know, the, this is the first time Dan and I are exploring this, and so we're making it up. Um, and I don't know how proficient either one of us are actually in jazz, so we might be doing a great disservice at this point. I, I was um, in the jazz band until from high school until my first semester of college. Excellent. My words stand. So, <laughs> <laughs> but... But what I will say is if we've established the rhythm uh, and the baselines, um, you know, these small things cared for by God, God's faithfulness in the midst of a world that normally smashes and swallows up the small things. What are the hits? 
Like, what are the riffs? What are those things that let us know that this song is different than the rest? What makes uh, this stand out? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking something different. I was just thinking of the, like, as far as the jazz thing, just thinking of anything goes as far as, like, in Spinal Tap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit messy, but uh, but still something. Well, and that, that, that could be like that. Maybe that's another way to ask the question of if this is jazz and we've established this this rhythm, this bass undertone, then when anything goes, what's going here? You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. what's playing on top of these notes? I just think the the thread that I see, the the rhythm that's sort of holding it all together is this that we are enough only because God is enough. I think mm. I see that as a, yeah, sort of a rhythm that holds it together. Yeah. I would say the featured instrument in this particular uh, jazz piece is the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't always hear that explicit voice. I think the undertone always is, this is the word of God. You know, this, this is the expression of God. These are... Um, how we hear God, but this, uh, in first Kings, this isn't a prophet, um, speaking. This isn't, you know, someone else, uh, recalling the words of a prophet. This isn't, uh, an angel. This is God mm-hmm. speaking with Solomon. And so this instrument, whatever represents it, is playing over these, these notes in a way that make us pay attention very differently. And it's the same with um, it's the same with uh, the Romans text. Even though it's Paul writing, Paul is constantly, constantly allowing space for that voice of God to echo, that mm-hmm. presence of God to to kind of ring true. Um, for for Paul, this particular part um, is exploring our relationship with God, and overwhelmingly, um, God is present in that mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah, and it it feels like a a tug of war a little bit in the way that Mm -hmm. Paul presents it. You know, we, the the competing voices, I guess you could say, of our own voice that says, oh, geez, I don't pray as I ought. I'm not as good enough of a religious person. But Paul says, hey, 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 Holy Spirit's going to intercede with sighs too deep for words. It's, It's in God's hands. You're good. And then all of, especially that ending part of what can separate us from the love of God, uh, all of the powers and principalities and heaven and hell and earth and angels and all that stuff that Paul goes, the implication is like the fear that we have that those things can separate us from the love of God, the depth of our sin, the struggles that we go through. And Paul's like, nope, I want to just pit, you know, God's love is always going to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even in a cacophony um, of sounds, even in a lot of distractions and a lot of peripheral movement, we have the voice of God really ringing through here, not just in the Romans text, but in our own very lives. You know, mm-hmm. Paul is quick with the way that the voice of God pierces through everything else that would try to stand between us and God. I a couple of, Oh, go ahead. No, 
uh, I was going to say, I think Matthew is the place where we hear the voice of God maybe in the most distant way uh, because of the parables. Um, the parables for many of us wind up being a temptation um, to become riddles, <laughs> which I'm not sure they were ever meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, and so we many of us uh, are tempted to go about the work of solving the riddle. Oh, I figured out what the kingdom of heaven is like, or I figured out who I am, or I figured out who God is. And ultimately here, like we said before, I think we're supposed to see a pattern, a rhythm. What what does the voice of God prefer? What Mm. does the voice of God promote? What does the voice of God tend to um, in this world? And it's the small things. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to mention a couple of uh, potential landmines here. Oh, yeah. Uh, one is the all things work together for those who love God and et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, of Romans uh, 8.28. That, that's not a guarantee that, hey, you're a Christian, therefore bad things won't happen to you. Therefore, you can endure everything without any kind of struggle. Um, that's a text that's been abused a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It's a promise of God's presence and resilience that you know, especially with the stuff that follows of nothing's able to separate us from God's love, that that's where the real crux of the promise comes into place. So there's that. The other thing that I think is a little bit um, uh, potentially hazardous is the whole uh, chapter 13 of Matthew, verses 47 to 50, where then you get the judgment again. Like, do you want to jump into those texts? We're going to get a whole bunch of them as we go on in Matthew's year of weeping and gnashing of teeth, but here's Mm -hmm. our first foray into it if that's something you feel up to uh, addressing. Well, and we've been skipping those verses um, all along, haven't we? You know, in the past few pericopes, we've been intentionally missing... Uh, the verses where where Jesus is pretty overt about mm-hmm. um, his disappointment with and the lack of condoning that there is for people who don't listen to these words, mm-hmm. for people who don't apply these. And, and we don't have to get into it all right now. I mean, we're going to have plenty of opportunity in the coming weeks, but, you know, I'm thinking of uh, a little bit later, we're going to have the the wedding party where somebody sh- shows up with the wrong kind of clothes and gets thrown into the outer darkness and a couple of others like that. So we're going to have plenty of opportunity for these uh, kind of scary judgment passages and to try and make some sense out of it. Yeah. And, and you know, like, <laughs> like you said uh, in the Romans text uh, for verse 28, we remember for Romans that, you know, this is Paul writing from prison. So every time we want to just plaster this all over the little bumps in our lives, mm-hmm. uh, we should remember that Paul is writing this in the context of the bump. <laughs> like yeah. this, this isn't an avoidance of being in prison. This is the reality of being in prison. Yeah, absolutely. And that is what we say. I think that can be a similar thing that we say to the rest of the text, you know, um, as Christ in the Gospel of Matthew is very strict um, with some of these things and brings up punishment and judgment as words that are useful for the hearer. What we can say is these things too 
work for good uh, in those who love God. And, and, you know, maybe we shouldn't be as scared of them as we've been taught to be. Sounds good to me. Kids bop. Let's do it. time for Kids Bop, where we take your favorite hits and make them a little bit more child-friendly. Yeah. So you have any ideas, Ben, for a children's sermon? Yeah, I do. Um, so we're going to be worshiping outside um, for the immediate future uh, here at Trinity. And what I plan on doing is collecting a few, uh, and you know, this can change, this can change, but uh, collecting a few of the seeds uh, from the trees that we'll have around us. Um, And so, you know, a a lot of people already know what some of these seeds look like, but what would it, just to take some time, have in my hand so that people can see it and hold it up so people can see how tiny, tiny it is what the seed of the neighboring tree looks like, what the seed of some of the trees of our field looks like, what the seed of um, the things that are literally right with us in the worship space when we're outside look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and to say that God puts so much time and care and effort into the smallest things because they're important. And to mm-hmm. really, and to really try to rough that edge out, smooth that edge out where we say God cares about the small things because they'll become big things. That's not really what all of the parables are about. Mm-hmm. One of the parable might be about that, but when we pair it with everything else, God cares about the small things because God cares about the small things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what I, would, what I would try to smooth out on this edge is God cares about the small things because they're good in and of themselves. And that's how we can look at the rest of the world. What are some of the things in the world that feel like trees? And we can name some of those. And what are some of the things in the world that feel like seeds? We can name some of those. And to talk about how the trees are good and God cares for the seeds. I like that. That'll be cool. And like such a cool visual reminder. Like you'll be out there amongst the trees too. It's a little different than... You know, showing a picture or something like that. Yeah. It's a nice way to take advantage of the outdoor worship. Mm-hmm. I'm going kind of a similar route as what I'm thinking for a children's sermon. But I'm thinking of either bringing in a dandelion or uh, taking a picture of a weed. But something that I find, and maybe, maybe both, I can take a picture of it and then pluck it. Um, but of one of those weeds that you find in like the cracks of your driveway or the sidewalk, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then to show that, and this will be done via uh, a video recording and to talk about how, you know, God, um, how, well, how the mustard seed that we talk about was kind of a weed. It wasn't something people usually planted because they wanted something to put on their hot dogs. It was something that, grew all over the place uh, and some people didn't even want it there Mm. Uh, but what's really cool is that 
it just grows really easy. And that's what God's kingdom is like. That's what God's love is like. Uh, it just shows up in all kinds of places, even, even rocky places where you don't think that it should show up. Um, and so where there's hurt and where people's hearts are hard, even in places like that, God's love shows up and grows. So that's yeah. going to be my children's sermon. Yeah. Should we turn it to 11? Let's do it. Now we're going to take some time to turn it to 11. Uh, this is kind of the, the balance of Kids Bop, uh, where Kids Bop boils down the text and the preaching moment into something that we, uh, children can deal with on their level. Uh, turn it to 11 is kind of our focal point, and we really put the edge back on. We throw out the safety scissors, we plug it into the jack, turn it to 11, and mix metaphors all we want as, sure we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as we approach the preaching moment. Cool. Uh, so I think what, what I'm going to turn it to 11 for my sermon is um, I think I want to really lean into that uh, kingdom of heaven being treated like a weed instead of a well-tended garden. And there are plenty of other places where Jesus uses parables and things to talk about the kingdom of heaven as being like a garden or a farm or something like that. This is just one where Jesus says it's more like a weed um, and talking about how uh, how we as well, it, there's sort of two two ends of it, and the one is that God's love shows up in the cracks in life. God's love shows up in the places where you didn't think it should show up. Um, those kind of things, and all the examples and story possibilities are pretty pretty endless at that point. Um, but then also to talk about our call as the church to embody the kingdom of heaven, that uh, we are also called to show up in those places where you know you shouldn't show up. No one with any sensibility would show up in those places um, and that, you know, they would give up on these lost causes of justice and reconciliation and uh, peace among God's people and all those types of things like to be like, this is what we are. We're like the persistent weed that just doesn't know when to quit. Yeah. What I like about that is how it mirrors so closely what we've been going through in the pericope and in the Gospel of Matthew just a few chapters prior, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so the, this idea of um, the, the kingdom of heaven being a not accepted portion of the ecosystem um, is poignant when we recall all that we did in Matthew chapter 10, what we explored briefly in 11 and 12. Mm -hmm. Well, did we do 12? 11 at the very least. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I think so. How about you? What do you what do you turn it up to eleven? Well, I, again, I'm not sure yet. Uh, it's still kind of early in the preaching moment for me to have the the exact thing that I'm going after. But like you, I am attracted um, to the insignificance that there seems to be in. Um, the Gospel of Matthew for so many of these things that are placed before us. Um, because even when we get into verse 44, a treasure hidden in a field, or verse 46, finding a great pearl, um, or verse you know, 48, a really full net, mm -hmm. all of these things, um, all these things feel like a temporal moment. You know, they're, they're just not 
what I expected the kingdom of God to be. And so when I boil it down, I kind of I kind of just end and I'm attracted to 52 or verse 52 in this, uh, where every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure out of his treasure, what is new and what is old. Mm. So I want us to be able to hear that the daily parts of our lives are considered by God and by our own foolishness worthy of bearing signs of the kingdom of heaven, if not worthy of bearing the kingdom of heaven itself. Mm. I want us to hear that the yeast that's sitting in our cupboard that we may or may not have let expire is, is worthy of showing us what the kingdom of heaven is like. I, wanna, I want us to hear that there's not some mythical field with treasure buried in it, but this field might have buried treasure of seed already there um, to mix the metaphors of our prior our prior um, pericopes. I, I want us... I want us to be very hands-on with this text and anchor it deeply, like almost inseparably from the world that we see right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really cool approach. There's there's a sense of surprise in it all as you were describing what the, the themes you want to lean into. Uh, and I think that's that's nice as well. Well, it's surprise, and I think if we can be honest a little bit, it's surprise mixed with disappointment, mm-hmm. right? Like the kingdom of heaven is like the universe um, aligning to the point where uh, aligning's a weird, you know, theological thought. It's like the universe all combining to to simply you know give light and like that's that's not what's being used here you know Mm -hmm. the moon isn't being used here not not, none of the big stuff's being used Mm -hmm. here um and i i just gotta imagine that for some people who are hearing jesus talk about the kingdom of heaven they might have been like oh that's kind of nice jesus Mm -hmm but you're missing the grandiose part of this. You're yeah. missing the power. You're missing the ability, yeah. you know, you're missing you're missing all the, you know, armies of angels. Mm-hmm. And doesn't Jesus embody that himself like in his own ministry yeah. and in his own person? Yeah. He's not the big military leader. He's not the king with the golden scepter. He's like the poor traveling rabbi hanging out mm-hmm. with a bunch of fishermen. Like Yeah. Yeah. It's those little overlooked things. And so, you know, to break into the hermeneutical circle a little bit, um, especially with 52, how can we bring what is old and new um, out of our household or out of our life experiences? How can we bring the old understanding that we've been taught our whole lives of who God is and what God is, and also the new, both what we're hearing and what we're seeing and what we're experiencing? How do we go about the hermeneutical circle again and again and again, seeing what Jesus is talking about, like witnessing the almost disappointing yet very, very powerful small things that Jesus is talking about? Is that rhetorical or are you actually asking me? I mean, I think that's part of the, I think that's the central push Mm -hmm. 
of the turn it to 11, but I don't, yeah, if you got an answer, go for nope, it. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, it's yeah. like you can get into that. I think that could be a, another avenue to use a lot of examples and illustrations and things. Like what are the big grandiose things that you're willing to, you know, in theory, quote, sell off in order to get that field, in order to find mm -hmm. that pearl of great price, that type of thing. Spe speaking of my disappointment, there are things in this world that I think are good and right and true that need monumental, grandiose power and change, or at least I want them to have that. I want, you know, justice to roll through in grandiose, powerful ways. Mm -hmm like an ever rushing stream yeah you know like that's the part of scripture i want <laughs> mm -hmm. that's the part of this experience that i was hoping for and yet um seeing the kingdom of heaven in an unwanted small thing doesn't necessarily go against that mm -hmm. but it complicates it no it, yeah it, and and i and even when I feel like I'm standing on the right side of history, though none of us truly know that until we're done, even though I feel like I'm standing on the right side of history, I'm wanting the right things, I'm praying for the right things, I'm acting in the right things, I still feel discontent or tension um, between God focusing on small things when there's so many big things. Yeah. And I think that could be a time in the sermon to be honest about that. Be like, don't you wish it would have been about the big things? Yeah. Mixtape. Let's do it. You know, Ben, that reminds me of a song. Nice. For my mixtape... I chose the song We Rise Again by Gogo Bordello. And uh, it's a pretty cool song. I chose it because it has a lot of themes of um, sort of going to all sorts of different places, not really being held back, that we're going to be able to overcome uh, various adversities and things like that. Um, the some of the lyrics go for the love of you for the love of me for the love of everyone who's yet to be free uh, borders are scars on the face of the planet so heal away my alchemy man even atheists hold up the candle we rise again we rise again this idea of like these separations that we have that they can be uh, overcome that that's something uh, worth fighting for who's yet to be free borders are scars on face of the planet so heal away my alchemy man Even atheist holds up the candle We rise again We rise again with a and seeing that especially like the weed being the mustard seed and also that Romans 8 passage about what can separate us from the love of God what are the borders between us and God's love well they're not strong enough to be overcome by God. They're going to be divided. They're going to be broken down. Um, and also just the, uh, <laughs> there's like a refrain that happens at the end, kind of a bridge of with a fistful of heart and relics of future, we rise again. I just like that. I think that's a cool line. 
I really like the the juxtaposition of um, you know the whole world's scars uh, being the borders of nations uh, and uh, the candle. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to solve this with a very fragile, melting very easily candle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and then the song just has the audacity to be like, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Which which feels very similar to to the text, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. How about you? What well, do you got? Yeah, I uh I went I went for something that feels surface level but also um I think I think it's good. I went uh, all the small things by Blink 182. <laughs> nice. Uh, and and sent me right back to 7th grade, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. So cool. Um no, but but what I like about this song is that it's not about much of anything. Uh, and even the writers of the song admit that, you know, like this is just something we made up, like whatever. Um, but in the midst of made up, whatever, like, uh, Ness, I think we have some really, uh, some things that seem to echo strongly, um, little bits and moments. Um, I mean, they're, they're, in my very brief time playing in a really mediocre garage band, when we would play this song, there is one line of this song that everyone on the face of this planet knows, which is late night, come home, work sucks, I know. <laughs> like, you, you might not know the rest of this song, including the na-na-na-na part. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, like, everyone knows that line and i it's my personal belief that because we all feel that like we all understand that little tiny moment of our lives where we can come home talk about work um and commiserate a little bit Mm -hmm. this song is full of little small things that echo with us whether it's surprises whether it's conversation, whether it's commiseration, <laughs> whether it, just anything else. And I think the Gospel of Matthew points to the little small things that are familiar in our lives and say, hey, look, I found God there. Take one lift, your ride, best trip, always, I know, you'll be at my show, watching, waiting, commiserating. I like that. I think that's really good. Lots of small things to work with in the text. All the small things. All of them. <laughs> well. Well. I think that's going to do it for us over here at Lectionary Mixtape. Thank you for joining us and uh, trying out this new format. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you next week for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. and. We'll be back. Take care. Bye.